You're listening to another message from Generation City Church. Thanks, Beck. Do you like that new song? The resurrected Christ is resurrecting me. How many of you know that when you gave your life to Jesus, when you surrendered your life to Jesus for the first time, how many of you know that he began a good work in you? And that, that, that truth is found in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, where it says, he, he who began a good work in you will bring it to perfection. So we are a work in progress. And so the, that line in that song is so true. The resurrected Christ is resurrecting me, building strength into my soul. My spirit's born again, but my soul needs strength. It's my mind, my emotions, my will. It needs strength from God, and he will rebirth us over and over again in our soul and bring about a resurrection to the very fabric of our being. Amen? Mm. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Margot. <laughs> and uh, I'm married to Marty. And, uh, <laughs> I can't believe he said that. <laughs> but that's okay, we'll forgive him. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of authenticity. I, I don't like things that are not authentic. I struggle with people who are not authentic. I struggle to connect with people who are not authentic. And I want to speak to you about how critical it is for us to be authentic. And I want to read to you a portion of scripture that's found in two different chapters in the book of Acts. You've got to remember that in the Bible, in the original manuscript, there was no commas, full stops, sentences. There were no chapter divisions. There were no verses. We've broken that up to make it easy to find things in the Bible. But in the original manuscript, there wasn't a chapter and a verse. It was just one big long story. And what I'm about to read to you is the closing verses of Acts chapter 4. And then the opening verses of Acts chapter 5. But the reality is it's all one flow. And the first portion of scripture is Acts chapter 4 verse 32 through to 37. Where we read all the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything that they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles had nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Now, there's no chapter break here, so the story just flows, but there was a certain man named Ananias. Let me read verse 37 again to you from chapter 4, and we'll just drop the chapter and the verse and go, He sold a field, this is Barnabas, that he owned, and brought the money to the apostles. But there was a certain man named Ananias, who with his wife Sapphira sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? 
You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not to sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everything or everyone who heard about it was terrified. The story goes on that his wife comes in a little bit later and uh, spins the same yarn and she too drops dead. It's quite a sobering thing to read that in the New Testament, not so much in the Old. But it's a passage that is about authenticity. It's a passage about integrity. It's a passage about honesty. And I, I believe that a lack of authenticity is a stench to God. A lack of integrity, a lack of the genuine article is a stench to God. And I believe a lack of authenticity will hinder the work of the Spirit of God in your life more than anything else. That's a big statement to make, but I do believe that, that a lack of authenticity, being or presenting as one thing, but actually being something different, will hinder the work of the Spirit of God in your life more than anything else. Living behind a mask that does not reveal the true you will hinder the work of God. And I believe it won't only hinder the work of God in you, but it will actually block the flow of the authority of God through you. A lack of authenticity will block the flow of spiritual power through your life. I I wonder whether the reason the church is so impotent today when it comes to power is because of a lack of authenticity. I remember Arden Burrell sharing a story many, many years ago, and I think it was when I was in Dubbo as his youth pastor. told the story of of a tourist standing at the lookout of Niagara Falls, watching the, the water plummet over the falls. And, and he stood there and somebody next to him said, that would have to be the greatest waste of power on the planet. And the man who was standing next to him happened to be a Christian. He said, it's a great waste of power, all right, but it's not the greatest waste of power on the planet. The greatest waste of power on the planet is the church. Because we have so much power at our disposal. We have so much authority that has been given to us that we are not using, that we are not utilizing, that we are not tapping into. We are impotent across the Western world as a church. And I think a big part of the problem is is this thing called a lack of authenticity. I I propose to you again today today that Authentic surrender to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is is the thing that will posture you for true spiritual authority and power. Authentic submission to his lordship, authentic followership of his life, of his teaching, of his, his calling upon your life, or an authentic follower of Jesus. Not what Danny Guglamucci calls a churchian, but a Christian, a true follower. Of Jesus, And I've said this many times before, and I don't mind saying it again, because sometimes we have to hear it a hundred times before the penny drops. But you can be in church, but not at all in Christ. It's very, very possible to actually be a regular attender of church and be in church and be in the membership and be in the flock, if you like, but not at all in, 
in Christ. And I, I believe that authentic surrender is the only thing that will posture us for true spiritual power. I preached a few weeks ago out of James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, where it says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Many of us, out of a place of non-submission to God, try and fight the devil. It doesn't work. You see, this passage tells us we submit first to God, then we resist the devil. And out of the posture of submission, spiritual power flows and causes the devil to flee. But James goes on and he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Cleansing our hands speaks about our conduct, our ways, our behavior, how we live our life. Not just talking a talk, but living a different way. Cleanse your hands, cleanse your conduct, bring your, your behavior into alignment with the word of God, with the heart of Jesus, the kind of person he wants you to be, and the things that are out of alignment. Seek the power of the Holy Spirit to enable you to bring them back into alignment. So cleansing our hands deals with our behavior. Purifying our heart deals with our motives, why we do what we do, why we engage in certain behaviors, why we serve in the church, why we serve in the community, our motive. So, so James says, you know, submit to God, that posture of surrender. And out of that, spiritual power will flow and you will resist the devil and he will flee from you. But he says, make sure you're cleansing your hands. Make sure daily you're bringing your conduct into alignment with the word of God and make sure you purify your heart. You check your motives like David did in Psalm 139. Search my heart, God. Know me. Try me. Search the recesses, the corridors of my heart. The heart, the Bible says, is desperately wicked above all else. You know, if people try to say to you, just follow your heart, don't. Don't. Because the heart is desperately wicked above all else. Follow Jesus, don't follow your heart. Because your heart will deceive you. And Jesus wants to renew the heart. And because the heart is still being resurrected, as the song says, don't follow it. It's not healthy enough to follow so don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. Seek his word in your life. I want to just change angles for a moment, but I'm not getting off the subject. You might think I am, but I want to show you a verse in Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 17. It says, Cursed is anyone who steals property from a neighbor by moving a boundary marker. And all the people will reply, Amen. During the days of the old covenant, particularly when you read the book of Joshua, you discover that God took the promised land, the land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey that he had promised to his people from the days that Abraham was called of God. And, and he was told that he would have descendants as numerous as the stars, as numerous as the, the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will be that big, Abraham. And, and, and God promised to Abraham, I will bring you and your descendants back to this land. And when they get to the time of Joshua, the conquest, the leading of the people back into that land God said was theirs. You read that God distributed the land among the people. He divided it up and different families got different portions and different lots and boundary markers were put in place to say that this is your land and this is your land and this is your land and you have your plot to look after and to work and cultivate and, and care for. And, and, and you know, the Bible tells us here in Deuteronomy 27, 17, cursed is anyone who steals property from a neighbor by moving a boundary marker. Most of our properties, if you, you live in a, a house on a block of land, you've got boundary markers. Sometimes they're very hard to find. Sometimes they fall out and they, they get destroyed. But generally, there's a boundary marker. During the days of the old covenant, God set up boundary markers and gave land to his people and portioned it out. But it, it would seem that some of them became dissatisfied with their divine allotment. 
Some of them became disappointed, I suppose, with what they got, how much they got, where it was positioned. Was it by the seaside? Was it on a hill with a view? Was it in the back block somewhere? Some of them became disappointed. Some of them became discontent with what God had actually said would be theirs. Perhaps, perhaps the land was allocated a little bit like the talents. To one was given 10 acres, to another two acres, to another one acre. I, I don't know. I'm just using a little bit of poetic license. But whatever, however it was done, however it was allocated, very soon people became discontent. Very soon people found jealousy would rise in their heart. Well, how come they got more than I got? Or how come they got a better position in the land than I got? And, and something happened in the heart of God's people that caused them of a night, they would sneak out and they would begin to shift boundary markers and they would actually encroach on somebody else's divine allotment and they would steal land. They would steal livestock that was not legitimately theirs. We read in Job chapter 24 and verse 2, evil people steal land by moving the boundary markers. They steal livestock and they, they put them in their own pastures, they would make it look like they had more than they actually did. They would make it look like, they would create the appearance of, I have more land than have, I have legitimately, if you like, been given. I, I have more flocks, more, more stock, more livestock than, than is really authentic. These are my authentic herds, but these ones I've stolen, they're not authentic. And people would move boundary markers and they would, they would steal illegitimately what was not theirs. It wasn't authentic. In fact, it was fraudulent. It was fraudulent in that it wasn't the real deal. It wasn't the genuine article. You know, that's what Absalom did with his father, David. I don't know if you've ever read the story of Absalom. Now, I, I, from memory, I think it's 2 Samuel chapter 13 through to about chapter 18. It's the story of one of David's sons who, who was not content with his divine allotment, was not content with what God had given him to work, what God had given him to cultivate. He was not content to be faithful with the, the plot of ground or the position that that God had given him. And, and we read in those few chapters in the middle of 2 Samuel that Absalom would actually position himself at the gate. And it says it very, very clearly. It says people would come in with, with seemingly um, injustices being done to them. And whether it was legitimate or not, we don't really know. But people would come in with a case saying, somebody has wronged me. Perhaps somebody has moved my boundary marker and they've stolen land and I can't prove it. And something has really gone wrong. And they would come into town and seek the king to have input. But the king was so busy that he couldn't see everybody. And what would happen would Absalom would sit at the gate. And the Bible says that he would, he would stop people and say, what is it that you need? Oh, well, this has happened to me and I really need justice. And he would say something like this, if I were king... I, I would give you justice. If I was in the position of authority, I, I, would, uh, I would see what you've faced and suffered, and I, I would agree. I, you need compensation out of this. Uh, if I were king, I would. And the Bible tells us in that same verse, in so doing, he stole the hearts of the people. 
and almost overthrew his father. But it wasn't authentic. It wasn't, it wasn't legitimate. You see, something is authentic. It's legitimate. And, and, and to steal his father's position was, was actually a, a fraudulent act. And it, it put a stench in the heart of God. And as you study through the life of Absalom, you find that his life ended by hanging by his hair from a tree branch. It, it, you know, it's a stench in the heart of God. Anything that is, that is fraudulent, anything that is not authentic, anything that, that creates the appearance of something that is not legitimate. You know, he was so full of himself, Absalom. He, the Bible says he would cut his hair once a year. And I don't know what it weighed, but it, it tells us in the Bible that it weighed an enormous amount. So it must have been pretty heavy for it to be recorded. He, he, he used to ride around in his chariot with a full-length mirror. One of the most narcissistic men in the Bible, Absalom. He hired footmen to run in front of him. Hired them so that he would look important, so that he had the appearance of being someone special. He would hire guards to go before him and follow behind and that they would blow trumpets as he arrived into town so that he created the appearance of something, but it wasn't authentic. It wasn't legitimate. It wasn't genuine. And as a result of him living this lifestyle that was not authentic and not genuine, God cut the legs out from under him because inauthenticity is a stench in the nostrils of God. You know, since those days, people Especially God's people have changed, but not much. They've changed, but not much. We still have that kind of a spirit in the church today. We still have that kind of a behavior in the church today. The, the whole thing of appearing to be something that we're not. The whole thing of presenting to be someone that we're not. We, we, we put up masks when we come into church and we, we want to be seen as godly. We want to be seen as, as spiritual giants. We want to be seen as people who know the word of God. We want to be seen and known as someone with a prophetic anointing. We want to be seen. But underneath, underneath, the substance is not there. And it's driven by this, this sense of wanting recognition, wanting accolades, wanting to be known, wanting to be honoured, wanting to be recognised. And we move boundary markers and we become inauthentic. You know, when you look beneath the facade of life, in particular the facade of the Christian life, you very quickly discover that people constantly move markers of responsible, genuine and authentic living. Some would say, well, I'd never steal somebody's livestock. I'd never steal somebody's land. I'd never steal somebody's car. I'd never, I'd never do that. Yet we would quite easily steal a little bit of stock from work. I said, well, they've got plenty of it. It's only a little bit that I'm taking. It's not yours. It's the same as moving boundary markers. It's, it's, it's inauthentic. And we will, we will cross lines and we go, oh, no, it can't be that bad. And we foolishly, we, we stupidly forget what the Bible tells us in Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 15. Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. The little foxes are the things that, that ruin the vineyard. It's not the big things. It's the little things that we consistently do, that we build into our life. And, and you know what happens? What, the little misdemeanors of life. 
that we think are okay, God's okay with, the little misdemeanors, the small things that are really not that honest and truthful, that what they do is they take a tender heart, a tender conscience, and they begin to harden it for darker activity. You know, that's why Song of Songs tells us the little foxes spoil the vines. For our vines have tender grapes and the little foxes come in looking for the tender grapes. It's the little things that we are not authentic in as Christians. That, that take our tender heart and, and contaminate our heart and, and harden our heart. And then all of a sudden, we took a little bit this week. It'll just be a little bit more next week. And we won't think too much of it because it's a progressive thing. It's a lack of authenticity. God wants us to be real. He wants us to be genuine. Do you think Jesus would do that? Then we've got to ask ourselves, whatever he would do, I should do. Whatever he wouldn't do, I I wouldn't do. We uh, discreetly and we dangerously push out the boundaries in order to have more in our life than is Legitimate. In fact, it's simply to have the appearance of more than is legitimate. Let me just read a couple of things to you. We're driven by an inner brokenness to keep up with our friends. That, that's, that is rife in society today. We've got to keep up with the neighbors. Whether we've got the means to do it or not, we strive, we fight. Got to have what they've got. Got to be seen to be on the same level or higher. Can't ever be seen to be less. And we become discontent with our lot. We become discontent with what God has given us and we lose faithfulness in building what God has given us. We we, we want to be seen and known as a success story, whether we are or not, as long as people think we are. You know, social media is rife with this stuff. What you see on social media is not reality. People only let you see what they want you to see. We put in there the great posts of how we're doing so well because we don't want anyone to think we're not. We compare ourselves among ourselves and we stretch ourselves beyond ourselves. Because our appearance and our perceived reputation is of more value than our character. It's very quiet in here. I was a bit nervous when I came in this morning. I thought, oh, hang it. If they hate me for it, I've been hated before. I'll get over it. (laughs) I've been attacked before. I'll get over it. I've got a thick skin. You've got to develop that to survive this journey, believe me. You know, if we would just get authentic, if we would be behind closed doors what we are in public, if we would bring our whole life into alignment with the Word of God, spiritual power would flow. Anointing would flow. Strength would rise within our heart. And we would begin to overcome the things that have torn us down in the past. We begin to rise up and break down that addiction. We begin to rise up and heal those relationships. We begin to rise up and overcome that oppression that has crept into our life. We would break the chains of bondage in our life if we would just bring our whole life into alignment with the Word of God. But we are more concerned with the outward appearance and how others see us than we are truly with the inner change in our heart. Let me give you some statistics. Australian Bureau of Statistics. Over the last 25 years, household debt in our country has increased nearly twice as fast as the value of household assets. That's scary. 
That's because we are stretching ourselves beyond ourselves, beyond reasonable boundaries. We're moving markers that are not legitimate. And we're operating outside of good godly stewardship. We're operating outside of biblical principles and we're moving these markers because we want to be seen to be successful and the world is plummeting into debt because we've got to have more. In fact, I heard a statistic this week that in the United States, for every $1 that an American earns, he spends $1.29. How is that possible? Well, in a world of credit, you can do that. At the end of 2013, the amount that households owed was nearly 1.8 times more than the amount of disposable income households received in 2013 in Australia. We're moving boundary markers. We're, we're pushing out beyond our capacity. And again, I come back to maybe, just maybe the land was allocated to the people based on their faithfulness and their capacity like the talents was allocated. The guy with the two talents doubled it and got four. The guy with five talents doubled it and got ten. But they both got the same recognition and honor from Jesus. So it wasn't about how much they had. It's what they did with what they had. And they used their capacity faithfully with what they had. But we've got so much inauthentic living today, not only in society, but in the church. One in seven households in Australia are spending more than they earn. You know, you can easily have the appearance of wealth, but underneath the facade is a very precarious foundation. Sometimes I'm driving to work. I live in town and I'm driving here to the church office and I pass people perhaps coming out of some of the more yuppier areas in society and they're driving BMWs, Mercedes-Benz, Porsches, you know, and I'm, if you own a BMW, a Mercedes-Benz or a Porsche, this is not an attack on you. But the, all I'm saying is I've heard stories as well of people don't actually own them. They're in so much debt they're out of so much control has been lost in their life. And it's not authentic. What you're seeing is a facade. But underneath, you've got the Nathan Tinklers who crumble, have the appearance of it's not authentic. It's not authentic. Now, my point is this. I've said that to say this. It can be exactly the same in the life of faith as it is in the life of assets and liabilities can be exactly the same. People appearing to be more than they, they really are. People appearing to be more spiritual than they, they truly are. Talking a good talk, but their life is not walking the walk. People perhaps appearing to be more godly than they, they truly are. Behaving one way in public, but different behind closed doors. It's inauthentic. People perhaps appearing to have more biblical understanding than they actually do. It horrifies me. The amount of Christians in today's church don't know their Bible. Or if they quote their Bible, they misquote it. Because they, they, they've got no understanding of the context of what's written in the Word of God. They hear a preacher say something and they go out and apply it to anything they think it can be applied to. But there's no, no basis for it. We need to know the Word of God. And yet we've got people walking around talking a good talk like they know their Bible, but they don't have any understanding or revelation of the Word of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, Paul says, The purpose of my instruction, my teaching, is that all believers will be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. But some people 
have missed this whole point. They've turned away from these things and spend their time in meaningless discussions. They want to be known as teachers of the law of Moses, but they don't know what they're talking about, even though they speak so confidently. They've got the appearance of it, but they're not the genuine article. God is not impressed with inauthenticity, but he does honor and exalt the real deal, the genuine article. Story in Acts chapter 4 and 5, which we open with, and I'm going to start landing this with this, presents the desperate need for authenticity in the house of God. You know, Barnabas, his name was Joseph, and he lived such an habitual lifestyle of building people up and encouraging people and speaking well of people and coming alongside and supporting people. He lived such an habitual lifestyle that the apostles were so impressed with him that they named him Barnabas. Change your name from Joseph to Barnabas. Barnabas is more suited to you. You, you are a man of encouragement. And Bible names have a great lot of meaning. And Barnabas means son of encouragement. And you know the Bible tells us that this Joseph, it's interesting, they that verse that we open with in Acts chapter 4, it, it says that, that all of them shared what they had. None of them became possessive. This is mine. I, I'm, you know, you can have a, just a flick a coin your way, but the rest of us is mine. No, they just became loose-handed. Now, uh, we misinterpret that and think we're going to go and sell everything you know, and become like the communist mindset. It's, that's not what this is talking about. They didn't go and sell everything and just give it all away. They, they sold their excesses. Instead of trying to build their own wealth, their own foundation, they, they realized there was great need around them and they began to sell some of their excesses. And it just says many people did that. Then it says, for instance, Joseph, whom the apostles called Barnabas, had a piece of land. It was an investment. He sold it, brought the money to the apostles' feet. Why did, why did that put that in there? Why couldn't, why couldn't Luke have just left it at and everybody did this, or a lot of people did this. It just went on and said, for instance, I think what happened was Barnabas was such a man of encouragement that, that he just walked in one day, and I don't think he was blowing his trumpet. I think he just walked in with this offering. He laid it at the apostles' feet, and everyone went, whoa, gobsmacked. And it's like they're going, you really are the son of encouragement. This is amazing. You, you giving all of this. He was authentic. Then it goes on. It talks about Ananias. You know what I think happened? I think Ananias was there. And he watches Barnabas come in with his offering. And he watches everybody gasp. Oh, the apostles go, you are the son of encouragement, Barnabas. You are such a good man. Man, God is all over you. You've got a generous spirit. And you are a man who is not only blessing people, but you're a man who's going to be blessed. And everybody clapped and everybody applauded and everybody sang Barnabas's accolades as he brought this offering. That's what I think happened. I can't prove it, but that's what I think happened. And here's what I also think happened was Ananias was watching that. And thought, I want to be known as a generous man. I want to be known as an encourager. I want everybody to acknowledge me as well. I want everybody to sing my praises. I want everybody to clap when I walk in and do something. So he goes out and he sells his piece of land. And he comes in. He keeps a portion back because he wanted the appearance of being generous without having to be. We could land it right there. He wanted to be known as generous, but not wanting to be generous. 
And he comes in and he, he says, uh, you know, Peter, he's just moving in the Holy Spirit. And I think we've all got the capacity to move in the Holy Spirit like this and, and really nail things. And, and he's just walking in. He just senses in his heart, this man's out of line. This man is not authentic. This man is not genuine. And it was a stench in the nostrils of God. And so God begins to speak to Peter. And Peter looks up at him and said, is this the full amount for the land you got? Knowing full well it wasn't. And then Ananias says, yes, it was. Giving it all away. Aren't I just like Barnabas? Aren't I good? Aren't I encouraging? Aren't I, you know, it's like, why isn't anybody clapping at the moment? And Peter just said, Ananias, you've missed it. Ananias, this was your land. You didn't even have to sell it. There's no pressure to sell it. You didn't have to do it. You didn't have to bring this today. You didn't have to do this. And even if you felt you wanted to, you had every right to sell it and just give 10% to the church. You had every right to do that. You could have just walked in here and said, I just brought this offering. Was this the land you sold? Yes. Is this the whole amount? No, no, no. I've only brought a portion of it. Well, thank you, Ananias. That's great. Thank you for your generosity. But no, he wanted something. He was moving the boundaries. Pushing out the boundaries. He saw what somebody else had and he, he enlarged the boundaries and he became something that he wasn't. And it's a lack of authenticity. And I believe it blocks the flow of the Spirit of God. If God wanted to, if God killed a guy for that, will he bless the next guy that lives like that? I can't see it. Authenticity is what will open the flow of spiritual power in your life. You've got to be real. You've got to be real out there as well as in here. You know, it doesn't mean you air your dirty laundry to everybody. You know, I'm not saying that. But don't be one thing at home and present to be another. You know, I, uh, I really believe that authenticity and integrity is being restored to the church. And... I, um, I believe it's going to release a flow of God's authority like never before. Authenticity and integrity are, are important to me. And I don't say that in a, an arrogant way. I say that because I, I believe what I'm telling you, that when we're authentic and when we're, we have integrity, I was going to say integrous, but I don't believe that's a word. I don't think it is. You're looking up the dictionary. It's not there. I've got a Google, uh, an app dictionary, and I go integrous, and it puts a red line under it. So I thought it was the adjective for integrity, but maybe I'm wrong. You know, over, over the recent, recent years, the very thing that's been attacked in my life has been my integrity, has been my authenticity, people questioning, people challenging, people... And, and, and I think, you know... In the midst of all that God is doing, evil will always be present. And my heart is I want to see this church rise with a genuine faith, a pure heart, and a, a pure conscience, so that when we stand before Jesus, we can stand with clean hands. Cleanse your hands. Purify your heart. Cleanse your hands, your conduct. Purify your heart, your motives. Let's be who we say we are. Let's be genuine about it. And, and watch the blessing of God flow. Barnabas was authentic. 
and went on to become one of the greatest church leaders of his day, went on and was used by the Spirit of God, became a partner to Paul and later a great partner with John Mark and, and served God's purpose and went so you, you know, Ananias and Sapphira were just obliterated out of the picture and it all came down to authenticity. Is that okay? We're going to come around the Lord's table as we close our meeting this morning. It's just after 10 to 11 and our band, if you can come back, that would be great. Our ushers are going to distribute the, the emblems. Jesus was authentic. He was the real deal. He didn't say one thing and do another. He didn't have the appearance of godliness, but no power. You know, and as a result, so much spiritual authority flowed through his life. He broke the power of the enemy. He trampled the devil underfoot because he was authentic. He was the real deal. Said what he meant, meant what he said, did what he said he was going to do. Peter tried to stop it, remember? You know, I, we will never allow this to happen. And he said, you're not, you're not thinking like God. You know, it's for this cause I was born. I have to go through this. If I want to defeat the enemy, I have to go through this. He was authentic. He paid the price. Many of, us, many of us want to be seen as being godly but not pay the price of the devoted life that produces the power of godliness. Does that make sense? Many of us have the form of godliness but not the power. There is, there is godliness with contentment is great gain, the Bible says. And so... If we would just live the devoted, dedicated life, spiritual power would rise in our life. Let's not just live it on Sunday. Let's live it every day of the week. Amen? When you've received the emblems, why don't you stand with us this morning? You can come and grab this chair back. That would be great. Thanks. visiting today, perhaps you're not accustomed to what's happening right now we call this communion it's in the Bible Jesus taught us to do this as often as we do it it doesn't have to be every week, it doesn't have to be every day it's as often as we do it as a church we generally do it fortnightly it's really a reference to the last supper when Jesus met with his disciples and he broke bread and they drank wine and they had a meal together Jesus said to them you know, this bread that I'm breaking here and giving to you, this is my body, which is about to be crucified for you. In the same way he took the cup and he gave it to the disciples and said, like the bread is my body, this cup, this wine is representative of my blood, which is about to be shed for you. Jesus said, I want you to do this as often as you do in remembrance of me, remembrance of what I've done for you. You know, he gave his life for me. As far as I'm concerned, I owe my life to him. That's why I serve in the house of God. That's why I serve the purpose of the kingdom of God. Is because he came to die for me so that I could live. And when I live, I live, hopefully, with a life dedicated 
to doing what he wants done. So let me encourage you as we come around the table of the Lord this morning. As we eat together, we drink together. Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, help me to be authentic. I, I want to challenge you. If you will become authentic, He will increase your boundaries. He will move your markers. He will grow your capacity. If you will become authentic and faithful with what He has given you, and you don't just look for what everybody else has got and try to be something that you're really not, but just be genuine with who you are. Even if it's a case of, like I think if Ananias had just come and said, Peter, I really want to give all of this, but my faith is just not there. I, I think Peter would have said, that's okay, mate. It's okay, you're on a journey. Just give what you feel you can give. Peter, I don't think I can give any of it at the moment. That's okay. Take it. I'll be praying for you, mate, because I, I really want you to get this generous spirit. I, I really believe that. But he presented as something that he wasn't. And it's okay in the house of God to actually just say, look, I really want to go there. I really want to be this. I really want to, to do that. But I just don't feel I can at the moment. That's okay. Because you're being genuine about it. Whatever you might be facing, whatever it is you go, you might just go, I really want to overcome this, but I just don't have the power. You know, will people come around me and support me with this and encourage me with this? It's okay to struggle. We all do. But let's be authentic about it. Somebody give me some communion. I just got left out. Nobody, nobody gave me a cup or a biscuit or thank you, Marty. Margot hasn't got any now. Here it comes. Everybody give Janice a great oh, you can't clap because you've got your hands full, haven't you? <laughs> thank you. You've got in your hands the emblems of the greatest sacrifice man has ever known. Son of God, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, your sin, my sin. Let's eat and drink together this morning with hearts of gratitude. I just want to invite you to keep your eyes closed for a moment. Maybe you've come into the meeting today. an authentic relationship with God. You don't want religion. The truth is, I don't either. You don't want just church. The truth is, I don't either. I want a church that's full of the presence of God. I want a church that Jesus is building. I want a church that's full of people who are authentically following Him and serving Him and encouraging one another and believing one another, not fighting and squabbling with one another, not sowing discord amongst each other, but people that are genuinely seeking God for what He wants to do in the life of His house and in my life as a living stone in that house. Maybe you've come into the meeting and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. I want to tell you what the Word of God says. You surrender your life to Him. What's been overcoming you and conquering you, you will begin to turn around and conquer. You will begin to overcome. You will begin to fight through the storm that has almost taken you out. I don't believe it's an accident that you're here this morning. And if you 
have never surrendered your life to Jesus and you'd like to take that first step saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. I don't want to be a churchy and I want to be a Christ follower. If that's you right now, right where you are, I want you to raise your hand. It's the first step that you're taking. Thank you, sir. Down the back there, you can put your hand down. Someone else this morning, you want to join this man. You want to say, I want a genuine, authentic relationship with Jesus. Where I speak to him and he speaks back to me. You want to join this man. Is this someone else? Maybe you've come into the meeting and you have taken that first step. You have come to that place of surrender, but something's happened. Something has gone awry for you. Something just didn't work out. And you think, I, I want to try again. I want to, I want to come back home. I want a fresh beginning. I want a fresh start. If that's you today, why don't you slip your hand up? Join this brother down the back. Say, yeah, include me in your prayer. I, I, I want a fresh start with God today. If that's you, raise your hand right where you are. I'll know to pray for you. Father, I thank you for this young man that's indicated today that he wants to surrender his life to you. I pray, Jesus, right now as he opens his heart to receive you, that you would come in like a flood. You would fill his heart with joy, with vision, with such a sense of your presence, Lord, that life would become lighter as his burden is taken away from him. Right now we're going to pray a prayer and we're going to pray it all together. But that young man who raised his hand, I want you to pray this right out of your heart. But we're going to pray it all together to support you. We don't want to embarrass you. We just want to lead you to Jesus. So let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning to surrender my life. I confess that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without a Savior. And I acknowledge today that you are my Savior. You shed your blood for me. You died on that cross for me so that my sin could be dealt with and I could come back to God. So right now I give you my life and ask you to cleanse me and heal me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Put your hands together for that young man.